Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you ever wish you could read a bit more? And I don't mean all those texts, news alerts and notifications we get bombarded with 24-7 either. Some people are worried that constant access to all these little bite-sized chunks of language and information could be changing the way we read. So are we becoming skimmers and headline-grabbing multitaskers, losing our ability to concentrate on a long-form article or a whole book? Well, it's a topic tech journo Manoush Somarodi gets into in the IRL podcast in an episode called TLDR, short for too long, didn't read, with the journalist and author Derek Thompson. So we have this basic human impulse to gobble up easy info. But as with so much, the Internet produces a massive uptick in quantity. It raises the degree of the problem. I am realistic about the nature of newsreaders. We are not inherently a species that wants to read 1,500-word articles every day, all days of the week. We are a species that, from time to time, gets curious about reading longer articles. And it's our job, it's the, it's the journalism community's job, to do our best, to essentially write that piece that punches that ticket. Derek Thompson is a staff writer at The Atlantic. Okay, here's something to consider. Neuroscientists have made it pretty clear the human brain cannot multitask. We may think we're doing many things all at once, but actually our brain is just switching attention very fast from one thing to another. So trying to understand everything, read everything at once, not possible. Chapter 2. An Anti-Tab Manifesto. I think that people often have this tendency to keep all this stuff open because they don't really have any self-control. This is Ernie Smith. He writes a newsletter called Tedium, and he wrote a call to arms to those of us who make reading promises we cannot possibly keep. I mean, has this happened to you? You're reading a column on how to create new habits for the new year. You're also on a Wikipedia page about net neutrality, and you're also browsing a listicle explaining why scrunchies are back in style. I mean, are they? Please tell me the jury's still out on that. Anyway, in all these posts, they have embedded links leading to other interesting things. So you open a tab, and then another tab, and then another. And pretty soon, yeah, you know it, the tabs are breeding like bunnies, and you can't close them because they're too important and interesting. So they sit there, taunting you. Keeping a lot of tabs open is the informational equivalent of scheduling 15 doctor's appointments in a single week. There's no way you're going to make all of them. You're going to drive yourself nuts trying. Tab clutter is the overstuffed closet of the reading mind, and Ernie says, we need to let it go. I'm aware that the next important detail might be hiding behind the next tab, 
like the world's smallest needle in the world's largest haystack. But by keeping every tab open, I let the haystack win because I give every piece of information the same amount of value. Once in a while, something will happen, like your laptop will crash and you lose all those tabs at once. You freak out, of course, but then this feeling of relief sets in. And maybe that feeling is worth replicating on purpose. Ernie thinks so. The thought process I had was that if I wasn't necessarily looking at something within, say, a 20-minute period, I would set up a plugin so that I would automatically close that tab. Because I figured, well, if I leave that tab open, I'm just probably, you know, it becomes a digital pack rat kind of situation, you know? Like, <laughs> at some point, you're just, like, letting the idea of reading the story later beat out the simple desire to do searches and find and find information that you can use. It's like the wardrobe rule. If you haven't worn it in the last two years, then you need to donate that stupid blouse that you bought on holiday when you thought you were a new person. I think that looking at reading from the expectation that you're never going to get through everything, it kind of frees you a little bit to simply say, hey, this is something that, that I could have some control over. In life, you can't have it all, and you also can't read it all. Find a link to Ernie's manifesto in the show notes at IRLpodcast.org and sign up for his newsletter, Tedium, while you're at it. I know, I know, I just gave you one more thing to read. Sorry. Chapter three, don't let good books go bad. No, let's try this. Chapter three, make books great again. I don't like that either. Chapter three, bringing sexy paperback. The Pew Research Center says a quarter of American adults didn't read a book in the past 12 months. In a 2017 survey from the reading agency, over two-thirds of Brits wish they had more time to read. It's not so much that books, actual printed books, are going anywhere anytime soon. But there's no denying that for many of us, concentrating on a good novel is just harder than it used to be. It's the kind of thing that Nancy Pearl also worries about. She's a librarian and an author. I think that one of the things that worries me about the future of reading is that we don't give reading the same sexiness or importance that we give other aspects of our life. Nancy is no Luddite. She's embraced technology and online reading like most of us. But she does believe that there's something about the printed page that can transport us in a way that digital reading cannot. It really gives us a, an understanding of other people. And, and you know, Manoush, we spend so much time in our own heads and with the people who think the way we think that we never have, we rarely get out of that. And the place where you can get out of that, where you can spend time in another person's consciousness and another person's shoes, if you will, is, is in the reading of a book. And what's more, the value of a good book is even simpler for her. I think that when you're reading a traditional book and you're holding it in your hand and you have the physicality of it, not to mention the kind of 
aesthetic sense of that nice new book smell. That's so different from reading on an e-reader. To me, an e-reader, it's very cold. You know, the page sort of exists there, but then it disappears when you turn it, you know, when you turn to the next page. Maybe the difference is in how much space there is around the text. And I don't mean how big the margins are. I mean how much psychological space. A lot of things tend to solve themselves when you build in a little mental elbow room. There's this quote from a French scientist called Blaise Pascal. Nancy and I both love it. It goes, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Isn't that wonderful? It is wonderful. What is it that is so important about maintaining the ability to sit down alone and read a book for half an hour? Because we need time in our lives to reflect on what we're reading, where we are in our life, what we're doing. And that sort of reflection that reading almost forces you to to partake in, that kind of reflection can only be done in a quiet place. Nancy Pearl is a librarian and author in Seattle. She wrote Book Lust, a guide to good reading. She even has an action figure made in her likeness, if you're into that kind of thing. Manoush Samarodi with some of TLDR from the IRL podcast from Mozilla, the tech company behind the Firefox web browser. You're listening to the Podcast Hour on RNZ National. Thanks for listening to the Podcast Hour from RNZ. If you're finding it helpful to find new stuff to listen to, then please do consider rating or reviewing us with as many stars as you can manage wherever you get your podcasts from and tell your friends and family about us too. And if you're writing a review, then do let us know what you like about the show or how it could be improved. So if you'd like to hear longer clips, more interviews with the people making the shows that we feature, and if four shows is about the right number to highlight each week, that kind of stuff, it would be really helpful to know. Thanks a lot.